0: Welcome to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Be Set Free features the teaching ministry of Pastor Nick Cady. Pastor Nick's desire is to bring the gospel into our lives so we can experience the joy and freedom that can only be found through Jesus. Today's message comes from our series, The Spirit-Filled Life, in which we look at what the Bible says about the person and work of the Holy Spirit, in the world, and in our lives. Here is Pastor Nick.
1: The word of knowledge. We see it in practice there in the early church. Okay, let's continue on. Verse 9. We also see the gift of faith there in in verse 9. Listen, this is the God-given ability to trust God in situations where you need to take big steps of faith. You know what faith is? I like this definition for faith. Faith means Trusting God enough to do what he says. That's what it is. It means trusting God enough to do what he says. And the gift of faith, what is this? This is an extra measure of faith that God sometimes gives people in particular situations where we really need that extra measure of faith to do what he's called us to do. Faith beyond what we normally naturally possess. Okay, the next one we see is the gift of healing. The gift of healing. This is the ability to see people healed as you pray for them. This is similar to the next one we read in the beginning of verse 10, which is called the working of miracles. Now, something that people often ask when it comes particularly to this gift or these two gifts is this. They would say, look, if there are people out there who have the gift of healing or or the working of miracles— then why don't they just go into the hospital and just heal everybody, right? And just kind of clean house and and fix everything that's wrong. Why don't they just perform miracles? You know, you could just call them up on the phone, and boom, you get all the stuff done you need to do, because they, they have the gift of performing miracles. I mean, somebody who has the gift of teaching, they can teach whenever they want, right? Somebody who has the gift of administration, they can administer on any day of the week at will. So why can't somebody who has the gift of healing just really go and and just heal everybody anytime they want? Well, the reason is because, as we'll see as we go through these lists of gifts, some of these gifts are given occasionally, and some of these gifts are given more constantly or permanently, in in a more sustained way. Listen, so you might not have a gift of healing, so to say, that you can just like pull out of your pocket and tap into anytime you want at will. But there might be occasions when God gives someone this gift in order to do something that God wants to do. Extraordinary. Something unusual. And he wants to bring glory to his name. And he wants to do that through a person. So he might endow them with this gift in that moment. You know, I was thinking, I have prayed for A lot of sick people over the years. As a pastor, I prayed for a lot of sick people. And I'll tell you this, there are two distinct occasions that I can remember and think of that I can't forget where we prayed for somebody and we saw God do something that was absolutely a genuine miracle. One case in particular that I'd love to tell you guys about sometime, it surprised me. I was like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that, right? Me of little faith. But I saw God do something amazing, and in at least two situations really distinctly. And so I wouldn't go around saying that I have the gift of healing, but I do believe that in that time, it was imparted to me for that time when God wanted to do something unique and special. Okay, next is the gift of prophecy. The spiritual gift of prophecy isn't so much about predicting the future. It's about communicating or passing on or speaking forth a message from God to people in a particular situation. Look how Paul describes the gift of prophecy in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3. He says that one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, their encouragement, and their consolation. Notice nothing there is mentioned about predicting the future. Now, that doesn't mean that it can't be that. It just means that this is the idea when the gift of prophecy speaking forth a message from God's heart for somebody, right? God's speaking, giving that message through another person for a particular situation that he wants to communicate in that moment. That's the idea here. And, and, you know, I would tell you this. Every time I prepare to teach the Bible or or go into a a certain meeting or, or whatever it might be, I often ask the Lord, give me a prophetic word, right? To give me a a word from him for that particular situation for those people. Because I don't just want to, like on Sundays, I don't just want to communicate things that are true. I want to do that. But I also want God to to impart specific things that certain people need to hear in that moment. So I, I seek to have that prophetic word. Now, you might ask, how do you know if somebody claims that, that they have a prophetic message or a word from God? How do you know that actually is from God? Not just them kind of trying to to, you know, I don't know, put a stamp of approval on what they want to say and say, oh, you have to listen to me because this is from the Lord. You know, Paul actually addresses that question in his first letter to the Thessalonians. Here's why. It seems that the Thessalonian Christians were frustrated by people who were going around and falsely claiming that they had prophetic messages from God. And here's what Paul told them. He tells them this. Listen, don't quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything and hold fast what is good." What Paul's telling them is this. He goes, look, I know that sometimes people do this wrong. I know that sometimes people get weird about this stuff, but listen, don't put a damper on what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Don't be a wet blanket with your cynicism and quench the Spirit in what the Spirit wants to do. Rather, we want to be those who stir up the spiritual gifts, right, that God has given us. So how do you know if some supposedly prophetic message is actually from God? Well, Paul tells us first of all, don't despise prophecy, which means be open to the fact that God can and does speak in this way on occasion, but don't just blindly accept everything. He says, test all things. How do you test something? Uh, How do you test a prophetic word? Well, here's how. You test it, first of all, against the Word of God. If it really is from the Lord, then it will be in alignment with what God has already spoken through His Word. Paul tells us here in 1 Corinthians, he says that God is a God of order, not a God of chaos. And so if He's spoken already through His Word, then any kind of prophetic message He gives is also going to be in alignment with that as well. And you can also test things by seeking godly counsel from godly people. You can test things by praying for them. You can test things by waiting to see how things develop, right? If it really is from the Lord, then it will turn out. The purpose of the gift of prophecy, by the way, is never to replace the Bible or circumvent the Bible. The gift of the prophecy is for God to speak a timely word in season to his people by the Holy Spirit. You know, one of the misnomers that people have about this gift is they say, oh, well, that was just for the early church because they didn't have the Bible. And so they needed this gift. Well, no, 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 that's not true that they didn't have the Bible. They had the Old Testament scriptures, which again, are in complete alignment with the New Testament. You can't understand the New Testament without the Old Testament. The Old Testament is only understood in light of the New Testament, right? The two go together. So they had the Old Testament scriptures. They studied them. They also had the Gospels. Do you realize that? They had the Gospels in early form at this time. They were having the apostolic letters be written and distributed amongst the churches. This wasn't because they didn't have the Bible. It wasn't to circumvent the Bible or ever replace the Bible. This was a timely word to the people of God by the Holy Spirit. And friends, don't we need that? Don't we need to hear a word from the Lord into our situations? It's a valuable gift. And Paul talks about it in chapter 14, the value of this gift and how important it is in the church. So we want to keep that. But here's the thing. We also don't just blindly accept anybody who comes along saying they have a word from the Lord and say, okay, cool, I'll do that, right? Uh, No, we want to test all things and we want to hold fast only to that which is true. And that's related to the next one that we see, which is the discerning of spirits. The discerning of spirits. This is the ability to tell what is really from the Holy Spirit and what's not, or to tell the difference between true doctrine and false doctrine. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14, Paul says this. He says that Satan seeks to deceive people sometimes by disguising himself as an angel of light. And so it's just an important gift to be able to discern between what is really from God and what is not from God. The the gift of discernment there. The next one is the gift of speaking in tongues. Tongues is the next one there. Both the ability to speak in various tongues or languages and the ability to interpret tongues is mentioned there in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 10. Now listen, the gift of tongues is interesting because it's the only gift which primarily serves to build up the person who uses it, whereas all the other gifts are focused on using them to build up others. This gift is used primarily for the purpose of building up the one who uses it. And that's interesting. Look at what Paul says in in chapter 14, verse 4. He says, "'The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself.'" Look at what it says in verse 2 of chapter 14. It says, one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. This is an important understanding about this gift. It means that the gift of tongues isn't for giving messages to people in some foreign language. No, no, no. The gift of speaking in tongues, he says, is for speaking to God, not to men. He says, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. So what is this? This is a a way of communicating with God in prayer— that supersedes or circumvents the limitations of human languages how many of you have had times in your life where you've been you've been struggling to articulate in words or in your, your language you know to articulate what you feel or, or what you want to say the idea here is that God sometimes gives people this gift or this ability to be able to pray in the Spirit, in a way that circumvents the limits, uh, limitations of language. Now what people often ask about this gift, they often ask, are these actually like, like known human languages, right? Like French, German, Russian, etc. Or is this something else? Well, we do know this. On the day of Pentecost, those who spoke in tongues, when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they were understood in the languages of people who had come from other countries. So those were known human languages. And yet, In Romans chapter 8, verse 26, Paul talks about a way of crying out to God in a way that is not a known human language, right? In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul says, if I can speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but don't have love, then it's a clanging gong, and it's a symbol, right? It's a useless symbol. So what what are the tongues of men? We know what those are. What are the tongues of angels? What is that? It's, it would seem that in some cases, this is a known human language, but in some cases, it's not. Either way, the point is this. This is a tool by which a person communicates with God in a way that goes beyond their natural linguistic capabilities. And this is why Paul says in chapter 14, he says that the primary purpose of this gift of tongues is not for use in the gathered church, right? In, in the church gatherings, like here on Sunday mornings, but rather for individual use in private prayer life.
0: You've been listening to a message by Pastor Nick Cady of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We'll get back to the remainder of this message in a moment. We are open for in-person worship on Sunday mornings with services at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. Come grow with us on Sunday mornings, online or in person at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. Now, back to Pastor Nick with the remainder of today's message.
1: Now, there, there are times when there's an interpretation or someone who can interpret who's there. And in that case, that can actually edify or build up other people when they hear that person's prayer. And that's good, Paul says. Okay. But generally, this is for individual use, uh, not for corporate use. As Paul says, more about this in chapter 14. If you're interested in that, go ahead and you can read that later. But Paul mentions... In verse 28, he goes on in his talking about spiritual gifts. He mentions other gifts as well. He mentions the gift of teaching, the gift of administration. These are very important gifts to be used for helping others and to do God's work in the world. But look at what Paul says in verse 31, the last part of the chapter, after telling us that First of all, not everybody has all the gifts, and not everybody has the same gifts. He then tells us this interesting thing. He says, But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And some of your translations will say, The greater gifts. Some of your translations will even say, The best gifts. And that brings up a good question. If there's a hierarchy of gifts as like good, better, best, what are, the, what are the best gifts? What are the highest gifts or the greatest gifts that we are to desire and seek after and aspire to have? Well, here's what I would tell you. I have a lot of tools in my garage, okay? Which one of my tools is the best tool I have in my garage, well, it depends what job I'm trying to do, right? Like, if I'm trying to cut two by fours, my saw is the best tool that I have. If I'm trying to wax my car, my saw is not the best tool that I have, right? Like, my hammer is super good at, at pounding nails, but it's not super good at cleaning windows, right? That, that's how it works. And so the greatest gift, the best gift, is going to be the one that is most needed in a particular situation or a moment, and listen, you may not have that gift, but somebody else in the body does, and that brings us to the next part of our sentence, which is this. As the Holy Spirit comes upon us, He graciously gives gifts. Why? So we can act as His body in the world. Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, from verses 12 through 27, from verses 12 through 27, Paul uses a very important metaphor. It's a metaphor that he uses elsewhere in his letters as well. And it's this. He tells us that to be a Christian is to be part of the body of Christ. Elsewhere he tells us that Christ is the head and we are his body. And he says in verse 27, you are members of Uh, You are the body of Christ together corporately, and individually you are members of it. So we who follow Jesus, who have the Holy Spirit within us, together we get to act as the body of Christ here on earth. You get to be his hands and his feet. You get to be his mouthpiece through which he speaks to people in the world, and they hear his words. But listen, in a body, not every part has the same function, right? Right? Your eyes can do things that your liver can't do, and your liver can do things that your eyes can't do, and they're both very important. They're very different, but they're very important, and both are needed. In the same way, in the church, we need to have unity in the midst of diversity, but the diversity is by design, and the diversity is very good. You have an important role to play. You are needed in the body of Christ. Do you know that? God has given you certain gifts— but you know what? There are also other people who have other gifts that you need in order to grow and be healthy that you need to benefit from. So God has given you gifts that other people need. He's given other people gifts that you need. Because here's the thing about a body. You can't be a body by yourself. You can't. You're just one member. You can't be a whole body by yourself. Just imagine, you know, if the parts of the body got all detached from the body, and they were just walking around doing whatever they wanted, right? Like some cr- hand, like creeping along the ground. You'd be like, I'm going to stomp on that thing. That's creepy. You see like a pancreas just hanging out watching TV by himself on the couch. you be like, oh no, what's going on there? That's weird. And not only is it weird, but that individual part, as it's detached from the body, it's just a matter of time before that thing's going to wither up and die. Because in order for it to survive, it needs to be attached to the body. But guess what? The rest of the body is also going to suffer if that part is detached from the body. That's true in the church as well. When one part of the body is hurt, the whole body hurts. When one part of the body is missing, the whole body suffers. The individual parts also suffer when they're detached from the body. Friends, listen. In our individualistic society, you know this. We live in the most individualistic society that has ever existed in the history of the world. That's where we live right now. And you need to know this. This is important. Christianity was never intended to be a solitary activity just between you and God. No, by design, following Jesus has always been intended by God and by Jesus to be a group activity. You need to be connected to the body, and the body needs you to be connected to it. You need the other parts of the body, and they need you because you have gifts that they don't have, and they have gifts that you don't have. And just like in a body, there are some parts which are very visible and get a lot of attention. I can see all of your noses They're right there. They get a ton of attention. Everybody sees it. It's like the first thing somebody sees when they look at you. But you know what? Nobody ever compliments you on your kidneys, do they? I've got beautiful kidneys, but you never said anything about it, right? You never complimented me on my kidneys. Why? Because you can't see them. They're out of sight. And yet they're doing a very important job. I'm really glad that they're there. You know, if they weren't there, I'd be in a lot of trouble. And in the same way, some gifts in the body, some roles in the body are highly visible and get a lot of attention, and others are completely behind the scenes, completely unseen, and yet they're incredibly vital, very important. They're vital parts of the body of Christ. And as the body of Christ, God wants to do his work through us, through you in the world. You know, Jesus isn't here in the flesh to embrace that person who who is having a hard time and needs a hug, but he can do it through you Right? Jesus isn't here in the flesh to speak and encourage to to that person who needs it, or, or to speak words of truth into the life that needs to hear them, or to provide materially for the person who needs some help materially, or to welcome little children when they come to Him. But we get to do those things. You get to do those things in His name. God wants to do His work in the world through you. That's exciting. Whatever your role is to play in the body of Christ, don't think that role doesn't matter. Listen, the Challenger crashed because of the failure of an O-ring. An O-ring, the smallest, cheapest part of the entire thing failed, and the whole thing failed. In the same way, every little part of the body of Christ matters, and its function is important. And what that means is that you need the body of Christ, and the body of Christ needs you. So you might ask the question, so how do I know what my spiritual gifts are? How do I know which spiritual gifts I have? Here's what I would tell you. If you look at this chapter, you'll notice this. The reason why Paul gives them this list of spiritual gifts is not so that they can look through it and try to figure out which gifts they have. Do you realize that? That's not why he wrote this chapter. So you could go through a list. Okay, which gift do I have? No, the reason Paul wrote this chapter and gives them this list is so that they will learn to appreciate the gifts that other people have. That's Why? But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't look through it and try to figure out which gifts that you have. But I'll tell you this. Sometimes I see people get so focused on identifying their own spiritual gifts that they get weird about it. Okay, and and they'd be like unwilling to serve in areas that aren't what they perceive to be their gifting. Like, sorry, no, I can't take out the trash. I don't have the spiritual gift of taking out trash. Maybe there's somebody else who does. I have a a higher gift. My gift's like prophecy or or doing other cool stuff. I don't take out trash. Maybe you can look around. Maybe there's somebody else here who has that spiritual gift for taking out the trash, and they can take care of that. Sorry, it's just not my gifting. But listen, to act as the body of Christ in the world means to be a servant like Jesus was as a servant. It means to serve where there's need. You know what the greatest ability is in God's kingdom? Availability. The greatest ability is availability in God's kingdom, being available and willing to serve where it's needed, to build up the body of Christ for the furtherance of God's work in the world. But listen, many times, if you want to know what your spiritual gifts are, I'll tell you this. They're the things which will come supernaturally naturally to you, Supernaturally naturally do you let me give you an example. imagine if one of the kids in our children 's ministry right now they get a word of knowledge from God that I need some water desperately so what do they do they, they respond to that leading the Holy Spirit they go to the kitchen they grab a glass of water, fill it up with water, and then they 're running through the church to bring it here to me at the stage but as they're running as they get right in front of the stage, this child trips and just falls face down on the ground, nose is bleeding, you know carpet's got blood on it, glass is broken broken glass everywhere. It's just a huge mess. What would you do? This is my question for you. What would you do? Some of you, you're going to be like, hey, where's the vacuum? Where's the paper towels? Let's get this mess cleaned up. That's called the gifts of service, gift of help. Others of you are going to say, hey, how much does that glass cost? You know, how much is it going to cost to get this kid to urgent care, right? You pull out your, your wallet, you pull out your checkbook, your credit card, and you say, look, I want to cover it so it's not a burden for anybody else. That's the gift of generosity and giving, Maybe you see that happen, and you would stand up and say, everyone, God is speaking to us through this, that in these last days, we need to be careful how we walk, lest we fall and let go of that which God has put in our hands. That's the gift of prophecy, right? (laughs) Uh, Some of you guys, you're like, hang on a second, you get on your laptop, you make a quick presentation, you're going to teach the church a lesson on how many foot pounds of pressure need to be applied to each side of that glass equally as you're carrying it, how high you need to lift your feet off the ground while you're carrying that thing, how fast you should run, and and the kind of, you know, what, what angle you should make at your turns, and things like that. You have the gift of teaching. Others of you, you examine the floor. You're like, there's a structural problem with this floor. I'm going to get together a group of people. We're going to go to Home Depot. We're going to get this problem taken care of. I'll organize it. You don't even worry about it. That's the gift of leading. Others of you, you see that child crying, and you're like, I don't care about anything else. I just want to hold that child. Tell him, oh, you poor thing. I know just how you feel. I fell one time, too. It was hard. You just cry with them. You must be so scared. That's a gift of Mercy. Others of you, you have the gift of exhortation. You tell that child, arise. You're a child of God, not a dog. Dogs belong on the floor, not children of God. Let's go. Get up. You can do this. See, your spiritual gifting is often what comes supernaturally, naturally to you as you're walking with God and seeking to serve him by serving others. Listen, do you remember that story I told you about the challenger? How the thing that caused the challenger to explode, this expensive piece of equipment, was this little O-ring. Billions of dollars spent on the space program, and yet a less than $1 part caused the whole thing to fail. You know what that means? It reminds us, every part matters. Every part's important, and the same is true with God. You matter, and you have a role to play in God's work. But you know what? The reason you matter to God isn't just because he has a job for you to do. That's not the reason you matter to God. God you, you matter to God because he loves you. Greater love, Jesus said, has no one than this, than that he would give his life for his friends. And that is exactly what God has done for you in Jesus. He gave his life for you on the cross so that you could be forgiven and redeemed, so you could have eternal life, so you could become a friend of God, and so you could know God as your father. The ultimate Father's Day experience is to be a child of God. And the way to be a child of God is by trusting in and clinging to what Jesus did to redeem you. And once you've received that gift, the joy of being a child of God, you know what it is? It's that you get to join your father in his work and what he's up to and what he's doing. And you get to have that fellowship with God about being part of what he's up to in the world. And so I pray that you would receive God's grace by faith today and that you would seek the greater gifts and that you would use the gifts God has given you for the building up of others and for the furtherance of his work in the world. Friends, as the Holy Spirit comes upon us, he graciously gives us gifts so that we can act as his body in the world.
0: You've been listening to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We have three in-person services on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. And our 9.30 and 11 services are live streamed on our website for those who would like to worship with us online. We are located just east of County Line Road and Highway 119 at 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont. For more information or to hear other messages from Pastor Nick,